So how you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, just wrapped up an interview not too, too long ago with um, a writer from Be More Arts. And that was chill. We actually uh, talked about you a little bit. I think uh, you interviewed her before, um, Angela Carroll. Oh, yeah. Angela Carroll. Yeah, yeah. She's she's great people. I um I, I interviewed her a while back and then she she won the um the, the rubies this past year. So I was really happy for her. And I mean, I'm sure once you you, you talked with her, you realize like she's just amazing yeah real, real deal uh, super knowledgeable great conversation uh, i think interview went well kind of getting back into it it was funny i mentioned uh, during uh, i guess the pre-show with her that i was wrapping up a 25-hour fast so i'm just kind of getting back to having calories i wanted to start off the year kind of right you know it was a lot of champagne and a lot of scallops this past weekend so um yeah what was that 25-hour fast like it was um i've I've done one each month um, since COVID started. And because it's a lot of just sitting down and just not really moving around as much as I normally would. So this one was a little uh, tougher because um, I, I've only done like 16 hour ones um, for the last few months. Um, I want to say during the summer, I did a 72 hour one that was really challenging. Yeah. Uh, really challenging. Now, my, my um, the way that I was thinking, my uh, mental clarity was very sharp. But it was just, I just didn't have a lot of energy. This one, I was looking forward to that first meal and I had some uh, spinach lasagna leftovers uh, from the weekend. Uh, my, my girlfriend cooked some and I was like, hell yeah, these are going to be fire. <laughs> this is going to nice. be fire. Nice. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Uh, what what influenced you to start the fasting? Because uh, you've, been, you've been doing it way longer than other people talk about. And I know that if I don't eat after a certain amount of time, like my wife hates it that I get angry, <laughs> but like with a 72 hour fast, I, I, I can't imagine. So what, what influenced you to start these fasts? Uh, uh, fear. No, <laughs> I want to say mostly I'm just like in the crib and sometimes you pick up, uh, not the healthiest eating habits. I was supporting a lot of local businesses, uh, <laughs> during these trying times. And, uh, I, I was buying a little too much, um, meat cheese, a little too much, uh, fishnet. And, uh, <laughs> so I was like, I need to sort things out. And I, I was working out like every day during the summer, um, in conjunction with this. So, in that 72 hour uh, fast, I was still lifting weights and doing cardio and I would try to do anything to promote a um, sweating. So that in conjunction with it, it was just an effort to, uh, to drop some pounds, um, have clothes fit a little bit better. And the, I think what I saw, um, I will say, cause I've done the fast before. What I'll say is um, this is really corny, but I got hit. Um, it was a wrestler. A wrestler was doing a workout fast and he was doing like 60 hours. And I was like, I can do better than him. And that's why I did the 72 one. And he showed the meal that he had as soon as he broke his fast. And the one yesterday, I, I saw Kevin Smith, uh, one of my uh, favorite directors and just personalities out there. He, um, I think he did like a seven day fast. I, I can't do anything that extreme, yeah. but he used this app um, called Zero and it will clock how long you've been fasting. And that's been very effective with me. Like some, some people will look at trying to be healthier and lose weight and all of this different stuff as, you know, you can just set it and forget it. You want to have better habits. And I find that my habits are in line with me being aware. I think knowledge is power for me. So having an app that I, I'll put in, you know, like what I just ate and get an idea of like, okay, what are you eating day to day? 
Cause I'll feel like I haven't eaten anything. And it's like, no, you ate six honey buns is what you had, and, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just kind of being influenced by uh, what I see. And sometimes I'll ignore it. Cause I'm um, I do things my own way, but every now and again, I get caught and it's like, all right, this resonates with me. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Um, I, I'm kind of on a similar journey. I, I've, I've been trying to get back into intermittent fasting, but the holiday season, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Uh, but I see what, um, I see kind of where the motivation comes from. Cause whenever I'm fasting, I'm just in my mind, I'm like, all right, if I'm hungry, that means that it's working. And yeah. I, it's kind of messed up because after a certain point, cause somebody was asking me about it. They're like, well, what do you, what do you do? Like, how does fasting impact you? And I was like, you just have to get to a point where being hungry is your actual meal. <laughs> yeah, totally. And once you get to that point, your body will just kind of internalize that. And there's definitely times where your stomach is grumbling. I'm like, oh, I really want something. But I've also learned that I'm the type of person where if I, I have to plan out my meals, um, like, be super regimented because if yeah. I don't have something in that moment, I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get some donuts or something like that. So like today, <laughs> um, I ate breakfast really early because some days yeah. like I'm just not feeling the fasting and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just gonna have a bowl of cereal. I was getting hungry. I had my lunch. And then after lunch, I was getting hungry again, but I knew that I had some uh, frozen blueberries in the freezer at my job. So I just ate those and those definitely saved me. So now uh, that I got home, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to really adhere to like the after 7 p.m. no eating. Mm -hmm. So even though once we're finished this, I'm gonna I'm gonna cook uh, dinner. I just had like a small I had like a sandwich and like a Cliff Bar with a bunch yeah. of water, uh, and that's it. And 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 I've also learned about myself like when I'm cook well really when anybody's cooking you're like ooh this smells good I'm hungry. Yeah. But if you eat and then you cook you're just kind of less inclined to eat. Um, to eat more or eat past seven o'clock. So I uh, definitely have to salute you. I don't know if I could do 72 hour <laughs> fast or I'm sure that I would try it, but then my wife and people at my job would just be like, why are you in such a bad mood? Um, yeah. Angry. Yeah. Um, it was, it was funny. Like I had, was wrapping up that, that fast and I had a, I got a new doctor and I was due for like a checkup and I go there and she was just like, you look really weak. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she, I was like, oh, I was fasting. She's like, for how long? And I was like 72 hours. She was like 24 hours max. Uh, but me rebel rebel, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 36 in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do a 36 hour fast every month and dedication to this year. I'm sure she, if she listens to this, she's like, what did I tell you? What, right. what did I tell you? Exactly. That's exactly what all doctors are like. They're like, I, we just had a conversation about this and, and you're not listening to me. So she's like, you know what? I'll see you in a few months. Uh huh. Once you, once you hit that wall, I'll see you in a few months. But the, the benefit of it, I'll say with the, uh, the working out and I was very just into it because when, you know, we, we went home, I've been working remotely for, for the day job. And um, before that I was in a gym like every day, um, mm -hmm. like, you know, except for Sundays, but I was in the gym, like, you know, pretty much every day, hour, hour and a half weights, cardio, and then doing cardio at home. And, you know, it was like, I was feeling stronger, but wasn't really dropping any weight. And during COVID I dropped like 35 pounds, some, something like that. Damn, and, that's impressive. And, and, and part of it is I've just been getting up and walking every day and not and kind of, a, a, a unattaching myself from the relationship that a lot of people, especially like bigger people, like I'm six, four, like 300 pounds that we, we, we have with food. So, 
you know, I do my whole like thing that calibrates me right. Like get up in the morning, get up super early, go for a walk. Sometimes like during the summer, I was wearing like the Hagler suits. I was just sweating all the time or the ankle weights and the whole thing. And, um, and with it, the walk doesn't seem quite right unless I have coffee. And, um, I get coffee now, get like a cappuccino and, um, a croissant and I don't really eat anything again, generally, you know, I don't really eat anything again until I'm maybe one. So I'm having that at seven, not eating again in one, until one. And usually one is like a protein shake. I, I do my own protein shakes with the bananas and all of the stuff in there. I would say introducing more protein into my diet has been, has been the main thing that's been very helpful and, you know, still enjoying certain things here and there, but I don't eat like cheesecake and like ice cream and things like that. But I know that being able to do that keeps me like in line. Like if I wanted to, I could just have that. Just don't abuse it. Don't go crazy. Yeah, exactly. Don't overdo it. It's moderation. Isn't a bad thing. Like you don't need to drink 12 beers. You know, if you have two beers in a night, that's fine. Especially for me. Like I used to, (laughs) uh, I used to drink a lot when I was younger. Um, uh, cause I I just turned 31 in uh, November. Um, And when I was in like my early to mid twenties, I was drinking a lot. And then I, I had to, I really had to stop because I kept getting drunk and blacking out and throwing up in my sleep. And oh, that's so good. yeah, it, it got to the point, if it's 2021 now, I think it was new year's 2015. Um, it was either 2015 or 2014. Cause it was the year before I met my wife. And when that happened, I was just like, if I keep this up, I'm going to die. So I just need to stop. Um, and since then, like, if I drink, if I have two beers in a night, that is me going crazy. You can have it, but just just always, like, remind yourself, like, don't overdo it. Yeah. Um, and, and there is that thing. Uh, I remember this Hannibal Barris joke where he's talking about once you hit 28, it's just you're, you're, you don't have a tolerance anymore. <laughs> and in that, that, that time frame, it's like, all right, because what I tend to drink is – like I, I drink like very specific beer. I drink very specific things and I don't really have any ill effects from it, but also that's generally the weekends. Um, mm. And not even too much. It's like, I may have a couple beers while I'm watching the football game. And maybe on that Saturday night, I might have some scotch or some vodka wine, but during the week, just definitely trimming it down. Cause one, the stuff that I like is expensive and it's like, I gotta be responsible. <laughs> what do you do for your day job? Uh, day job. I'm a data analyst um, at a prestigious university. How about yourself? Uh, I work in IT at not a university. Uh, I just work <laughs> down in, um, in Annapolis. How did you get into data analysis? Is that like a finance thing or is it just more of a co- computer science thing? Uh, more computer science. Um, I work within a registrar's office, so it's just kind of like you know, processing, you know, not really much processing. It's like mostly I'm kind of troubleshooting more so the intermediary between the functional users and the technical users. And it's like, oh, we have this issue with the architecture of the system. Let me sort it out and figure it out. A lot of query and databases to come up with just different things that different leaders want. We want to know how many students have blue eyes that have uh, their parents that are making this much. Yeah. This is some of the things I get requested to pull and eventually they turn into reports. So like, since I've been there, um, as I've, I've been at the university for what the last four years, five years. Um, so over the last, what, uh, let's see what eight years, nine years at this point, 
I've been in this nonprofit higher ed sector, working there, two different universities and um, a couple of different nonprofits for these contractual like jobs. And pretty much I, I went to, to college for a, bas- a bachelor's in science. And it was basically analysis, business analysis, all of this different stuff. And when I got out of college, I was a marketing analyst. So it was like, I thought I was doing the sexy creative stuff in marketing, which I gravitate toward, but really tell us how this ROI was. All right, right. then, cool. Here's a query. Uh, I see, I see. So are you using, um, cause you were talking about queries and databases. So is that a lot of, is that a lot of SQL? Uh, yeah, a lot of SQL. Um, we have a few homegrown things, but we have a um, student information system and I'll go into the back end using SQL and pull out my stuff from there. And I, it was funny, like when I worked for a nonprofit, so I'll put it this way. I have been at that university for the last four years, but I left for like six months somewhere in the middle because a better opportunity presented itself. And it was paying more, um, but I went there with no SQL knowledge. And I learned that not from the interview, but during the, like the first few weeks of the job, this is very SQL intensive. Right. I knew nothing about SQL. So left that job. Went back, took a very similar role, but back at the uh, university, but it was doing philanthropy on a university. So the job that I left was a pure philanthropy job. So I was like, oh, it combines two things that I know how to do now and or that I have experience in doing. And I met this dude there who was really cool. And we did some really shady stuff. They wanted me to kind of build out um, to test this new homegrown system they were using that didn't work. And they kind of knew it didn't work but he needed someone with an IT background to tell him that it didn't work. So they hired me specifically for that purpose. Okay. <laughs> you, you, higher ed can get very political with who's saying what and who's making certain uh, requests. I can imagine yeah. uh, just the stories that I've heard and now the one that you just told me. Uh, so we can just leave it at that. I'm not no, sure. no. So, so, so uh, in it, um, mm-hmm. the, one of the guys that was there, he was just like, look, I don't do my job using any of that stuff. I use SQL. And he just taught me how to use SQL. And when he left, I was the only person there and I was doing major data polls from like a really like back end way that, you know, no one supposedly knew about, but we had like a hidden database that we were using to do our, do our jobs because they gave us a system that ultimately didn't work, but learning SQL um, enough that I could, as I like to say, be dangerous, it resulted in me being able to leave that job and basically get promoted. Um, I got promoted to a position that paid 30% more than I was making just off of a few months of learning how to use SQL and using it in for my day to day. Damn, that is incredible. Finesse Lord. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's, that's honestly how it works. Like I work in it. It's pretty much the same thing. Like one getting one certification is the difference between one pay scale and another pay scale. Or even if you just get like a title change. I sometimes I just feel like it's very arbitrary. Like I busted my ass to get my uh, CompTIA certs because um, before uh, I started working in IT, I was working in radio and I was trying mm-hmm. to make that work and a uh, hint for people who want to get into radio, don't do it because uh, <sighs> it's, um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, I, I, I can't say that it's dying because people listen to the breakfast club every day, but um, unless either you're a veteran or, you just got it like that and have money to burn and you know it's it's of no object to you then yeah you can go ahead and try to pursue a career in radio um it's thankless uh yeah 100 definitely what would you say to somebody who listens to this and then they approach you and say hey i want to get into i want to be a data analyst like what what road would you hold on my cat is that crazy? (laughs) you want to leave 
All right, sorry about that. Um, cats, cats bug out all the time. Uh, my, yeah. my cat's a jerk, and I can't record around them. But to, to, to answer your, your question, um, like what advice would I give someone that's interested in the field? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say I, I felt like a bit of an imposter going into it. Um, and I went in there trying to leverage, and I, and I would tell this like to anybody, actually. I went in there trying to leverage what I was good at and tried and tried to show them how I'm the fit. So naturally, I'm an inquisitive person. I'm a problem solver by nature. So I leveraged that as being a strong case. And I could speak on that for hours. And I was just like, I feel like, you know, kind of paraphrasing what they were looking for. And I was like, well, I feel like this job is purely supporting you guys and finding, like, obviously having the technical acumen, you got to have some of that, but just enough that you can sell a story. So I, I was going into data visualization, more of telling the story around like the data instead of just pulling the data. So I treated it like that. Like I was doing a, pre- doing a presentation of, in a business case sort of way, why am I the best candidate? And I leveraged what I knew that I could like rest on. You can ask me any question about how, what is your approach with solving a problem? And that's the way I framed it. Each person I've told to approach things in that manner, including people who have applied for similar jobs that I have in yeah. IT or in data analysis, it's been effective for them because people just want to hear that. Yeah. You can go there with all of the certs. And a lot of times, because I want to say in the last few years, I've been involved in like, I have a direct report. So mm-hmm. I've been involved in the hiring process as well. And the job that I left for this one, I hired my director and my manager and my executive director. So kind of seeing how that went, I knew that I knew more than these people and I just approached it in that way and I bided my time for the best opportunity to present itself. And then when it presented itself, I leveraged what I knew that I could speak on in, very, in a very confident manner. Find out what you can leverage, yeah. attach it to the job and hashtag that thing. Can you talk about what that was like that experience, you know, hiring, like hiring and just kind of operating at that level as a black man. That's an interesting, very interesting story. Um, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that particular scenario. So the prestigious university I was working at, uh, I was roped into a few things outside of the testing out a system that didn't work. I was brought in to kind of make some decisions that you could tell that the leadership is flawed. And um, it was a lot of spotlight. So the whole data team, we had two data assistant, two data um, like assistants, myself, um, an analyst, and a more senior analyst who I learned my SQL stuff from, they moved us all together in this little black guy hub. And it came up a few times. And some of the ways that these, uh, the people that we reported to, um, Everyone in leadership was a woman within that, that team. And the two top people were white women. So we kind of had that thing there. And I could only go what I observed, not necessarily what I feel, but it was, it was an odd dynamic. And at one point, there uh, was a black woman that ran um, HR. She walked by and she was like, whenever you guys want to talk to me, let's have a conversation. Because she could see that <laughs> we were being moved around a lot. Yeah. And it was a lot of weird attention over there. And for all of the talent that was directing, okay, who are you going to, what are these gift officers going to talk to? Like, how are they going to talk? How do we segment our data? Things like that was coming from our small team who on average, we were making 10 to 15 grand less than people who would have a similar role than us. So it it felt really odd 
especially being a black man there. And for me, as I said before, I'm a six foot tall black man, a six foot four black man. And I know enough about the game. I'm not, I don't want to play the game, but I know enough about the game. So generally I'm taller and bigger than everyone else. So when I I have a conversation with someone, I make it a point to sit down and I'll stay seated because I I know the game. It's like, it sucks. And I don't want to have to change just for it. But at the same time, self-preservations, you know, we want to, we want to be around what's ideal, but you also have to live reality. Usually this time of the year, I would be going to New Orleans. I love New Orleans. That's where I go for my birthday. So, you know, at this point, I'm the lead person when it comes to data and they're relying on me heavily. Mm-hmm. And uh, my executive director, director, manager, all so I'm like reporting to three different people. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're training up this new guy who's going to give me some support. He didn't want the job. And I could tell because I was training him. He didn't care. So prepping everyone, making sure everyone's aware of where we're at on our production calendar and all of this different stuff. And I kind of see that things aren't really working in my favor. And I'm kind of planning out my exit strategy, but still doing the job. We get to it. Um, I take my trip. Everyone's prepped and knows what's going out and when it, when it's going out and so on. I get back, all hell breaks loose. Nothing was done on time. Everything was relied on me. I had approved for like two months this vacation or what have you. And I kind of said something. I was like, well, if you had a little bit more talent around here and and I I started getting out of pocket a bit, but I was like, I don't care. This is going to be real. You know, I owe you the truth. If if anything, I'll leave you with this. The person that we we hired to be my boss, we hired her within 25 hours. We interviewed her and she was hired like the next day, Mm -hmm. minimal credentials. And I came in there to kind of express, you know, what I was feeling about kind of how the work was being moved around and I get this bad performance review that I was threatening, literally code, coded oh terminology. So in our office, we had about 30 people. There were five men. So 25 women, her and her direct boss. So my executive director, her, her, you know, the, sorry, the director and my manager. So the two people I was reporting to out of the three, they just collaborated on this and no one else had anything to corroborate it. It was just like, no, Rob's great. He's just quiet. How can it be? I'm scary and boisterous and all of this. And I was just like, I definitely need to get on the move. I can't like, yeah. you know, gig me for performance, but don't gig me for something you're making up. There was some irony around it too. Um, Cause like, I, you know, outside of the, um, the podcast that I do, the getting to the truth in this art, I, I do that comedy show that I've been doing for forever. And I always like to look at the irony of things and it's like, this is kind of funny, isn't it? And I just remember before the executive director left, uh, they were passing around, like everyone was sharing this one book. Mm-hmm. It was a green book about, about micromanaging and microaggressions. And I just started laughing. I was like, huh, no one's reading this. It hasn't gotten to you yet, I see. <laughs> it, it was just just ironic. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. that it, And it's one of those things where it's like, it's painfully ironic because y- you see it, it's happening, you get it. And you're just like, nobody else understands like the, 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 the commentary that's happening here. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy. It was interesting. Cause um, there was a lot of, it was a lot of people leaving from that, that position. And, you know, pretty much they told me to watch my ass. Cause you know, it was one of these things. They, they had some shady data mm. and of course I'm the only data person, so I'm not going to be the fall guy. And this was stuff that was being reported to us news and world report. And they were trying to attach me to fudge data. And I was like, Nope, I have receipts. I kept receipts. An executive director told me to fudge this data, basically adding in like 20% more donations than we actually received. 
So yeah, that, that's where I was at. I was like, I will, I'm, I was like, I'm not dumb. Like, yeah, let's I'm be real. My job over this. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, with, with that and just a few different people saying, well, you know, a few white people actually there, um, who had seen different things. And the thing I liked about it, they would point out, oh no, she can't do this shit. Like talk about my, you know, the, the people asked me to fudge this data and they were getting really like tight about it. It's like, look, I'm going on your behalf. This is bullshit. I was like, all right. So a little, right, just like, yeah, little white it, support like, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I need to put these hours in real quick, but yeah, you do that. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah, man. That, um, that sounds, sounds like a wild ride, man. Sounds, yeah. sounds insane. Um, so we've been talking a lot, you know, we've been talking for um, a while now, but I really don't know much about rob the person so let's let's go there where are you from i'm from baltimore east side let's oh, go nice. yeah yeah what yeah, yeah. Growing uh, like? uh growing up uh it was a thing like um you know be, being here always being like a big kid or what have you had to grow up in some ways a little faster because i think once i got as tall as my dad he was just like nah trick-or-treating is out so you know that that was kind of a thing but um always kind of being the big kid always kind of being the the relatively quiet kid it took a while to really find my voice and find like and I don't even know if I found it yet but to kind of find what I was interested in and and, and, and recognizing like you know now as I look back on it that I um have this this crossover appeal like I'm into a little bit of everything and when I was younger that really wasn't the most acceptable thing being from here and living in the different parts of East Baltimore that I lived in. And, um, but I always never really fit in. I was always kind of, you have friends, but there's not as deep of a friendship thing, but some of the friends that I have, I've had for a very long time. So it's like, I'll have one or two really close friends and that's pretty much it. I'm not the outgoing gregarious in some ways I am, but generally that's not what I had growing up. And it was always like dedicated, always around, always going to school, always like working on something and always trying to be a creative and just a nerd too. just the glasses aren't on the only part of it. You know, it's the whole thing. Yeah. So um, growing up here, you know, you get a little bit of I guess they call it now bullying or what have you got a little bit of that. And it was an experience, but an experience that I wouldn't really trade. It's like I think it's formative. It gives you it gave me at least. A, a sense of humor and kind of a better understanding of how to interact with people. You know, you got to get an idea of like, what's this person about? You try to be a friend, like what's, what's going on here? Because I don't just, or at least then didn't just make friends and just, you know, put myself out there. We've gotten a lot better at that, but then nah, few friends here and there, I would get recognized and people would like come up to me because it's like, oh, you're the biggest person here, or you look older than you are, or you were in the spelling bee, or you were a master's of ceremony for this thing. And, you know, until I got to maybe like last year of high school up until like college, went to Morgan State, I had to connect with that a little bit more. And, you know, I went to City College for, you know, high school and it's, you know, more, more mixed. It was a little bit of everything. And then going to Morgan and it being mostly black and, I would just kind of be a contrarian. I realized that that's one of my, that's a voice for me being a contrarian. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, this is diversity. I was like, huh, I kind of just see the same black dude in each one of these classes I'm in. <laughs> and, you know, I would point these things out and people thought it was kind of funny or like, Oh, you have a interesting perspective on things. And something that when I was younger, I would have de-emphasized or kind of hid. I kind of realized like, no, this is my voice. It's always been there. 
And since then, just cultivating that and trial and error and realizing like, all right, just be comfortable in yourself and get to know yourself and just continually check in with yourself. And that's something that 10, 15, definitely as a kid, I would not have done. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you say that because I, uh, I find a lot of parallels for my life. Um, I was, you know, quiet kid growing up. I'm not as tall as you, but I was <laughs> a little bit taller. I was actually kind of short when I was younger because everybody always called me shorty and it fucking drew me, drove me crazy. Uh, and then I, I got older and now I'm like one of the, the taller people in my family. Uh, but I, I definitely um, agree and empathize with you about finding your voice. You pretty much hit on all of it. You know, when I was a kid, I was much more likely to uh, just not speak up even for myself or just in general about yeah. a lot of things because I was more into the idea of like, you know, let's just make sure everybody's happy, even if it was at the expense of my own feelings or something. But as I got older, I just realized how exhausting that was. And um, it, I also realized that everybody else was happy except me. So then as I got older and I just started to really have more of that self-confidence and, uh, and, uh, and a higher self-esteem, I started coming into my own as a person. And, and similar to what you said, you know, people were like, you know, like you don't talk a lot, but like once I got to know you, like you, you're really funny. Like you're a really nice mm -hmm. guy, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I just, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I just don't need to talk a lot. I don't like to like have attention on me. But again, getting older, I realize, you know, it's nice to have a little attention sometimes. A little attention is 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 good. I, I get I get stuff all the time, like on the weekends. That's that's usually when me and my girlfriend hang out, and yeah, people always try to hit me up to record on the weekends. I'm like, look, I don't, I don't know, and uh, <laughs> and you know, because it's like me and her time, and yeah. but literally, I w I might put a mic on one weekend just so people can hear the nonsense because I'm it's just stream of consciousness. All of the shit that I don't say because obviously it's COVID time, so you know people aren't really around anyone. So it's like she has to hear all of this nonsense. It's just yeah. like, yo, here you go. I'm, I'm glad you signed up for this. But one of the things she would say to me, she's just like, not, not in a negative way, but she was like, you talk. She was like, you're weird when you talk. She was like, when you talk when you're comfortable, because you're comfortable around me, obviously, but you're quiet unless you're podcasting and you're incessant when you're podcasting. She was just like, it's funny. You have like these peaks and valleys to how much you, you talk. And I was like, so you said I'm on a word count? Like, she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, fool. And that's literally how it goes. Like I said earlier, you know, as far as the, the, the data stuff, I really identify with the problem solving idea. And that's what I do. But I think when you're a problem solver, uh, you have to be pensive. You have to look at these things. So if you're always just kind of talking about it, you know, it's like, mm, maybe you feel it out a little bit. Maybe there's something yet to be revealed because people find themselves not really putting everything out there initially. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten so good at it with people, not, you know, with the social component, I'm like, huh, there's a detail missing from your story. Now, if I said <laughs> something early, right. And reveal my hand, cause and, and, and I'm, and I want to know what your take is on this. Um, especially being in podcasting and, and, and having being a black voice in podcasting and having just different people you've associated yourself with. You're doing the series right now that I see, and that's really dope that you're putting Thank that you. out there. Um, you'll have different people hit you up about different things and trying to learn some of your tips and tricks. 
And you, do, you, do you feel that? Out? How does that feel, you know, being a person that has experience doing it? How does it feel when someone reaches out and then suddenly it's their idea? It's their approach? It's their philosophy? They're the, the dundata of podcasting? Um, <laughs> or I mean, you ha- have you had that? That's what I was going to say is it actually hasn't happened to me a lot. If anything, people, they just hit me up and they're like, hey, how do I get on the show? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, just hit me up. And now that I think about it, there's people that have hit me up that I have not replied to. So if you're listening to this, I am sorry. <laughs> but, um, there are people who will hit me up. They're like, oh, what do, what do I got to do to be on the show? And I'm like, look, just like they'll hit me up on Instagram. And I'm like, just email me and we'll set up a time and date. The yeah. amount of times somebody like people just won't email. I'm like, it's, it's, it's not difficult, but it shows to me like how much you don't actually want to do it or it's like you kind of just want me to do all the work for you um and now that i think about it over the years i have had some times where people are like yeah i got this great idea you know i, I just want to like bounce it off you and i'm like okay i'm always down to um Today. yeah to hear somebody out or talk with them i remember one time somebody hit me up and they're like you know I, I just want to like consult with you about this podcasting stuff and i'm like yeah sure hit me up email me they emailed me and when I got finished reading the email, I was just like, you want me to do this shit for you? No, like what you have sounds great, but I'm not doing this for but you. Here's, here's the thing. Like I've been doing it for a while and people will reach out to me and ask for different things. And my, my thing is I'm not a goalie. I'm, I'm here to help you move this thing along. And there have been so many different podcasts out here that I birthed. And just, and, 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 I, and I say that with modesty, right? And there have been people that will hit me up and they feel like these accolades mean something. And some of the accolades may, but at the same time, I think if you're out there, you're helping out people and you're trying to do the right thing and it shouldn't be a dollar amount that's attached to it because people will quickly come up with the means of which you should uh, monetize your, your thing. And I don't know if that's the main focus because- once you start monetizing, and I've heard this from so many different people, you need to monetize. If you're not monetizing, you're not doing anything, then you have something to lose with it. Like, yep. that's the thing that kind of gets me. Like, so my approach, I'll hit people in the DM. Like, yo, what's good? You're trying to be on the show, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing this. I'd love you to check it out. If you're interested, hit me up. Here's my email. And some people, it's just like, why are you sliding in my DMs? They're already like in defensive posture. And it's like, I didn't put a dick pic in there. I sent you a request to be on a podcast. Uh, yeah. I guess they're the same now, but you know, so you, you, you have that. My thing ultimately is as far as um, getting to the truth in his art, that's the only one I do interviews on Robcast. That's my thing. And I get very provocative on there, not like problematic, but provocative. I, I'll, I'll say that. And with getting to the truth in his art, my thing about that is how can like, what do I love? I, I, I did a, almost a board on that. And I was like, in terms of putting together this kind of loose network, if you will, and it was much tighter network. Cause at one point I was doing five shows a week, either wow. editing or recording or both. And I was the only editor and it was a passion thing. And I saw, I learned how to use all of my stuff. Right. And I'll say like right now I'm doing three, maybe four, because I got this movie review podcast that I want to do. And I want to just do it regularly with different people. I did a, did a season last year, like eight episodes. I got like 34 planned this year. Um, but in essence, I was like, what do I care about? 
I care about kind of these weird news stories. That's always been a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even going back to like high school, and I was like, I still held on to having these little weird factoids. And I was like, let's expound upon it. Why did this happen? What is it about? And you know, you listen to like your backgrounds in radio, right? And you listen to that morning radio, and it's like all of these weird little stories. Yeah. I was finding that I was covering this shit before other like radio shows were. And I was like, I gotta keep doing it. And I enjoy doing it. And then I was like, also, I care about pop culture. I was like, so those should be in there. The pop culture news, the weird news, and we're kind of current events, but with a twist. And with getting to truth in this art, it's like, I care about Baltimore. And um, just when all of this crap came out that Trump was saying we are rat infested and all of this shit, I was like, "Eh, I could just be pissed and have the high blood pressure and just be a mad black man about it, curses. Or other four letter words or whatever. Um, I was like, yo, let me talk to different artists here, different people in the community and and see what they're doing. And for me, it was a little bit like, like therapy. Like, you know, I've done all of these podcasts that are for myself and um, I'm sure they made people laugh, but also you know, it's, it's me having fun. It's more more for me than anything else. And I was like, let me do something else that's for other people. And in it, Something that's not not naturally mine, right? Reaching out to people and having other people brought into my, my processes, it, it, there's some challenges there. There are, are some just just things that aren't common. And as you touched on earlier, there are different people that you'll have like, oh, you want to be on the show? Cool, let's set up a date. I've had so many just just people just either cancel or they're ill prepared or it was one dude that got on he was he was freaking high and i was like all right you don't know what i'm talking about I, yeah <laughs> i even hit up this um this wrestler because um outside of one episode um and this chick was just like really cool and she was like i really want to be on your show and i was like sure mm-hmm. and um i was like i want to have a burlesque dance on here because i want to learn a little bit more about it and i think there is it's artfully done so let's talk about it yeah. i had this one wrestler on and I had a buddy who was a wrestler who was on my old show, Unofficially Black. And I was like, I want to have him on this to talk purely about his career as like a wrestler. I, I, don't, I haven't heard from him. So I was like, all right, let me have this one wrestler on. And she's a, like a lady wrestler. I was like, that'll be cool because I can get her like, that's going to be an interesting perspective on it. That's a quote unquote man's industry. Mm-hmm. So I hit her up. She was down to do it. She was like, yeah, I'm really you know, supporting of it and all of this stuff. I was like, all right, here's the email. Gave her kind of this template that I use. Mm-hmm. I need these things. I need a current picture that I can use for social media, your bio if you have one, things like that, right? Yeah. And, the, and she was like, yeah, just let me know a day before. Let her know the day before. She was like, yeah, down the door, super happy. And I get on, like kind of how I was like waiting to get on here with you. Yeah. And she never got on and then pinged me, Instagram. Oh my God. What time did she hit me on Instagram? 2 a.m. <laughs> what? She was like, and we, we had the interview scheduled at 2 p.m. That, that previous day. And she was like, yeah, we had an interview scheduled. And so I waited until I got up in the morning. <laughs> I was like, and she was like, no, when I said the day before, I mean the day of too. And I was like, I think you have concussions. I, I don't know if your memory is gone, but yeah. I, and people to, to what you were getting at earlier, sometimes people, like I get very sensitive to when people they have talent, but also they're agreeing to do a thing. So it's like, you have talent. I was like, put an alarm on, put something there. Like I can't spoon. Respect my time. Absolutely. And like, we used to record before COVID out of um, big improv. Right. Yeah. And um, had a nice relationship with them before all of this stuff happened and you know, everything kind of gets screwy. 
So we did our 10th anniversary show there and it was really fun. And me and my man, Dan, you know, my co-host on broadcast, we were out just pressing the flesh. We were recording us going to different spots, putting up our posters and trying to get, you know, swell up some groundswell, doing something just creative and, you know, guerrilla style and all of this stuff. Yeah. It was Artscape weekend. So, you know, it was a thousand degrees. Yeah. yeah. And um, so once we get to the show and do the show, we're doing all of this different work and, you know, is it, I don't know what, what your team looks like. If you got a team, I know it's mostly me. Mm-hmm. And I was exhausted. And I still got to host this thing. And my name, you know, as far as the Robcast, my name is in it. So it's like, huh, how do I de- de- delegate some of this stuff? How do I pass some of this stuff off? And you just got to find the energy. That's the thing that I've been on, like trying to do that. And with each one of these things and being very proud of what I'm doing. Yeah, it's definitely um, tough. To answer your question, it's it's just it's just been me these past five years. I've gotten help from people along the way, but it's mostly just been advice or like what not to do. Um, and I don't mind it. Like you said, it's a labor of love. I enjoy doing it. I, if some somebody told me tomorrow, if you quit your job, you'll make the same amount of money podcasting, I would do it in a heartbeat, absolutely. But I agree with what you were saying about... Um, having something to lose when you monetize something, but also that just makes things so much more complicated because like, let's say for example, you like my intro music, a local producer, uh, his name's Mateo. He made it yeah. for me. I, I still paid him for it. So this isn't like a story about how, you know, he gave it to me for free or something like that. But if I were to like, let's say I didn't pay for it, let, let's say I didn't pay for it, or yeah. um, it, it was just some other type of handshake agreement or something like that. And then I start making money, you know, he could easily and frankly, perhaps rightfully so say like, hey, I see that you're making money now. Can I get a piece of that? And then it would be so easy for me to be like, no, like, why would I want to give you money? Like, I, this is this is all mine or this is all my property. Um, at the same time, though, money it's, it's freeing because when you start making money or when you get that paycheck from your day job, the way I do just as, just the same way as you do, you're just like, Oh, what am I going to do with this money? I want to reinvest it back into the podcast and stuff like that. So uh, I guess for me, um, monetization, like it's a goal. It's not the goal. I just really want to have fun. And like you said, you know, getting to the truth in this art, that's your kind of like, response to Trump and the others who have so much negative stuff to say about Baltimore, but have not been here. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's why I started local color as well. I, um, I, I just get tired of going to other places. And then when I tell people where I'm from, they're like, Oh, you're from Baltimore. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. But it's tough, man. I, I, and I think that, and I also want your perspective on yeah. it. Um, I think that just like Baltimore's black art scene, it's, it's like, it's, it's like very, it's very vibrant. It's definitely happening, but like what, I feel like every black person that I talk to, they always kind of say the same thing, or it's like, we're just missing this one thing, but nobody can ever really explain what it is. So I want to put the question to you because like, again, I, um, I like focus on black people because we live in a majority black city, but yep turn on the news, you know, each news station might have like their one or two uh, black anchors. I mean, there's probably like, for example, for like WJZ, like I worked at CBS radio, I worked out of WJZ on TV Hill. So I know that there's a lot of black people behind the camera. So that is great. 
but you know we want more representation um so again i put the question to you like uh-huh. what, what is it what's our problem okay i i'll i'll answer it as observations a series of observations um it, it, one of the questions i used to have in the beginning of the 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 art series was who is our black pop culture representative no one had an answer that's that's one observation right there i i think you're absolutely right in terms of i i'll even go you're you're a nicer dude than i am on your pod i am a dick it's like yo <laughs> the dudes that are on camera on the news are usually corny and I was like, where, I'm not saying I need a dude with like a cruddy or the wild beard or anything along those lines, but I need a dude that I feel like isn't putting on like a, a front because I know it's something else there. Like you can see certain things. It's like, now nah, you're a real dude, just on this camera right here. And yeah. it's like, I, I can see it. Um, but as far as the, the art scene here, it's totally vibrant. Right. Um, but also super clicky too, where, you know, people are protective of it. And a lot of, a lot of these people, and I'm not trying to like sh- basically shit on like my, the, the people that I'm trying to interview, but <laughs> some artists that I I've, I've met, they don't have their shit together. And mm-hmm. one of the early episodes that uh, of the pod I did, I was talking to James nasty and he was like, yo, I'm doing classes because a lot of people just don't have their shit together. You know, they don't look at their phone as a tool, as their business tool. They don't look at it as something that you can possibly write off. They look at it as a entertainment device, but really it's a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that just the, the personality that's there, but also that's in every city. So I think part of Baltimore being what, over 62, 66% black, yeah. that's a big piece of it. People don't want to see black people succeed. And Here's the thing that I find interesting. Like, I, I when I heard about you, I talked to um, Kirk when I heard about your podcast, and I, and I think I'd reached out to you maybe once or twice or what have you, and we just never got it really coordinated. Yeah. But I've, I heard about how many people listening to your stuff or what have you, and I heard about how many people are listening to mine. And I was just like, I don't, I can't really in a tangible way see that support. And when I look at you have some people who don't even consider podcasting as a creative outlet. They just look at it as, oh, you just talk and you're in your basement and yeah. you can't get a girlfriend. That's the way they look at it. And yeah, I, I'll, I'll say, and I, and I don't know if you, you think the same thing, but maybe when people look at who's, <laughs> when you think of who's a basketball player, it's probably like some sketch of a black person. When you think of who's a podcaster, you don't think of a black person. Right. And that's the thing I always found kind of weird, especially someone that's a decade plus in, you're a half decade in. Yeah. So in, in seeing that and, you know, podcasting is like almost like a joke or what have you. And that's just black people doing more and more of it and gravitating in, into more of a quanta, kind of a white space. And if art is considered that same thing, then yeah, we like it, but how can we, how can we make our version of it and then take the black element out of it? Mm-hmm. Because I find like when you get on, suddenly you de-emphasize some of the stuff that you were doing when you be, when you're way up. Sure. And I think that that's a, an issue. But the major piece, the major, major, major piece, there's no one big enough that's that's from Baltimore and that's demonstratively just unapologetically representing Baltimore. And this is how you get like Charm City Kings, you know, and, it, and it's subtle shots to that. But yeah. I, I don't have a Baltimore accent. I I think they got the accent wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And that doesn't even need to be subtle because I saw, I saw a trailer for it and like, I'm always trying to do more and, you know, support black people more. So like 
I, I'll try to watch black TV. Like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I still can't do the whole Tyler Perry thing. I no, know get him out of there. He, he, um, he employs so many black people and my wife, like she defends him to the death. That's, that's, and that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem <laughs> with like what he does. It's just that his, his like content is just not for me. I will say though, like I watched, what was it? <laughs> I watched a fall from grace on uh, Netflix and uh, that was fire. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, it was definitely something. I had my girlfriend hand me an ashtray and I may have said a different word to begin it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> oh man. Um, the, the crimes yeah. against wigs in this movies are the issues and we yeah. can, that's, that's for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so getting back to charm city Kings, like I saw a trailer for it and I was like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. Like, you know, a, another story about Baltimore. And like, I saw another trailer for it. And the minute that, the, the part in the trailer where I was just like, okay, I'm done was when like, I don't know any of the characters names. So uh, like, we'll just, we'll just start there. Uh, the kid was just like, oh, you know, I, I want to ride dirt bikes. I want to ride dirt bikes. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go work this little job and like save up money. And his friend was like, oh no, nah. like if you want a dirt bike, you ain't got to do that. Like you got to do that. And he pointed over to a guy selling drugs and I'm just like, what? Yeah. It was just so ridiculous. And then um, a guy that I interviewed a while back, Lawrence Bernie, he uh, runs True Laurels. Oh yeah, he's cool. And, yeah. yeah, and he, um, I think he's writing, you know, do, either doing op-eds or uh, does like a column for uh, Washington Post now. He had like a pretty scathing review for it as well. It was just like, y'all, you tried to do something and you missed the mark totally. And I, without even watching the show, um, I agree because I'm just, I'm just tired of that fucking narrative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, the, like, like I said, like I was saying before, it doesn't take much for me to even delve into it. Cause, uh, like my brother always gives me crap. He's like, yo, you don't watch black movies. And I was like, all right. I was like, go ahead and watch the movie. Cause I, I was like, I'm against it. I was against it when I saw the initial trailer and I was like, Hmm, change the name. I was like, the documentary was better. I feel like there's a lot of Philadelphia attached to this. I was just saying that with minimal information. And then all the details started coming out. I was like, hmm, so Meek Mill is the greatest dirt bike dude ever in Baltimore. <laughs> I then cool. So my brother watches it and he's like, yo, you weren't wrong. This shit is buns. And I was just like, there you go. And, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things that I want to do, because I, I, I have grand ideas and it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where you want to link with people because you want to be protective of, because this is a pocket. Like Baltimore is big enough, but it's not huge. Yeah. And if you're going to go saying this is a Baltimore story, why, what is your motivation of saying a Baltimore story? Um, it, it, especially when I don't know how many people from Baltimore are really involved in, in terms of being major players were really involved in it. Mm -hmm. And my, my thing always goes to, I, I have treatments, I have scripts and things I was writing. It was like very Baltimore centric that were at the heart of Baltimore. There is something that I'm, I was writing. That's a pastiche of the movie warriors. And it's a bunch of shade about going into the County. And it's like, everything is in the city. I don't want to go to Owens Mills. And you know, <laughs> it's that type of stuff in there. And it's very hyper specific stuff that's specific to Baltimore. Someone mentioned to me, like, where do you want to really take this? Cause you've been doing it so long and it's kind of a backhanded thing to say. I think like if I'm having fun, that's all that should really matter. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, you're pie in the sky, hope for hope. Kind of you touched on earlier. If you were offered what you're making right now, the security of what you're making right now and everything was made whole, but you were making it from podcasting. Yeah. I would do that. Do the same thing. I even said, 
this is how wild it is. If it was 10 grand less and I was podcasting, I would do it. And my wife would not accept that. She would be like, what the fuck kind of deal did you get yourself into? I was like, but babe, I'm happy. She's like, I don't give a fuck. Happiness ain't going to play BGE. We, we did, that's funny. We did this, we did this thing. Um, me and Dan did this thing, um, a minute ago, like when Jesus and Miro first left, uh, a vice. And I was like, yo, we put a, we did a whole episode that was dedicated for your consideration vice. And we just sent it to them. Cause I stumbled across somebody's email there and it was just us doing the AKAs the whole bit. And I mentioned <laughs> to him, I was like, yo, so if the, if the opportunity presented itself, I was like, you know, things move fast sometimes. If it presented itself, you just want to make sure, especially when you're doing it with someone else, of where they're at. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if the opportunity presented itself, you had to leave and you had to go up there for, for this, whatever, you know, the cause is. And it's like, we got an offer for you. You're doing your show. We're paying you this. And you start hearing these wild, outrageous, like just off the board numbers. And it's like, you don't have any experience doing it, you know, professionally. Just, it's kind of like get in and then make it yours. Use like, Sometimes when you get like a new job, right? Or you get like a higher title. It may not be more money, but the title might be more that is transferable. Yeah. People don't see that. So if you're making like intern money, but they brought you in and you got like a televised version of your podcast, that's a whole new audience you're in front of. And that way you can hit up a sponsor. And it's like, well, this is the new audience I have. Yeah. And find different ways to, to do it. And I have thoughts and ideas around that. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit or what have you not here. Cause you know, people, but, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a bit. And, and I think like, that's the thing that some people will lose and they get short sighted in. And I don't, I don't know if I saw it where I saw that. I think it was like the black guy that tips. He posted the stat that was showing how many podcasts came out last year and how many of those podcasts like have not, are not currently active like haven't put, put anything out in the last two months. Yeah. And it's like basically somebody's comment under was like, yeah. And once they realize it takes money, you don't really make money. People got out of it. Yep. So it's Absolutely. like, you got to have another reason why you're doing it. Is it, yeah. is it the root of it all? Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that goes the same for anything. Like the entrepreneurs are the new rock stars. Like nobody, nobody, I mean, of course people want to make music, but people really want to be an entrepreneur. People, people for X Twitter is always on some <laughs> type of shit to be honest uh but th- i think that that applies for anything like you have to be doing it for another reason besides um besides money but i think you actually you're actually the first person that when i asked that question about like why can't baltimore you know do more um and and, and the comment that i always like to make as well is like baltimore is, is like great but we just have the the rotten luck of being between Philadelphia mm-hmm. and DC. So it's like Philadelphia is, you know, it's Philadelphia is huge. And then DC is the nation's capital. So it, it, those are like two cultural uh, epicenters, especially for like black culture. But you were the first person who, when I asked that question, you actually gave what I feel like is probably the most comprehensive answer. Like there is no cultural ambassador of Baltimore yeah i mean that's that's what i try to put out there and you know that's that's the thing that's really like like damning about it because you you have these two sides of baltimore you have a white baltimore you have a black baltimore and we we know about that different stuff and whenever i go into a different city i go into the hood Mm -hmm. i want to see where the real people are at and the hood is usually where people that look like me are at and the first thing they could tell is like you ain't from here i was like no i'm not (laughs) 
and I think that's where the culture is at ultimately. And if the culture is where is coming from black people and where black people are at, we, we have this, this, this attempt uh, that, that some people try to erase that. And that's a, that's an issue. That's a big issue. And that needs to be sorted. And maybe podcasters are part of it. Maybe the artists are part of it, but I think that sense of community and not clickish community because you'll have the visual people with the visual people and the sound people with the sound people and it's funny in the the pod that i do you'll have all of these different people it's like oh i know them i know him as well i was, I was like yeah this is how it's supposed to work yeah. like if you're not doing this let me help you be a be a voice out there i'm doing it because for the love of the game you know like yeah. let's let's do this and let's work together and let's build out that true black podcaster community too yeah absolutely um I, I agree. I, I also I also feel like for what it's worth, I think that the Baltimore power structure or, you know, the people with the hands on the on the on the money faucet, I just don't think that they really respect new media yet. Nope. And I think that I mean, there's plenty of, you know, other podcasts out here who are doing really great, but like you said, those people look a certain way. Um, but I think that Honestly, I think that we just have to keep on keeping on and one day they'll uh, one day they'll get it, but we'll be past the point of wanting the recognition for it. Right. And that's yeah. kind of where where some of us are at now. <laughs> <sighs> Absolutely, man. Well, uh, I definitely want to thank you uh, so much for coming and sitting down. I actually really enjoyed not having questions and just us like talking and shooting the shit. And it's also been really great to talk with somebody who also does podcasting. Cause yeah. as I was listening, as just listening to you talk, I'm like, Oh, editing this episode is going to be easy because this guy <laughs> knows what he's doing. Well, thank you. Um, this, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to connect and um, do this, man. We have to link on some other stuff in the future. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely.